Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. On today's episode, we have on Linda Lippin. She is our first three-time guest on the Truly Fit Podcast. You can find everything about her at lyndalippin.com. Linda is a Pilates instructor and educator. She has great information, especially when it comes to working with seniors, and that's one of my specialties as well. So we're going to go down the rabbit hole today of osteopenia, osteoporosis, and balance training, why all of those things are so important when working with the senior population. But really, from my perspective, working with any population, because we're all going to get to that age eventually. <laughs> we're all going to become seniors, or at least that's our goal. So we have to train people as if they are getting older because they are getting older. And we have to make sure that we're looking at potential diagnoses, things like disc degeneration that are going to happen anyway. And how do we how do we how do we avoid that? What is the line of diminishing returns between too much impact on certain exercises? And something not talked about in the industry enough. And if you're not somebody who works with an older population or has worked with clients for a long period of time and saw like, hey, listen, this client's getting older, they just can't do the things they used to be able to do, then you haven't had experience in being able to sort of modify down and be concerned with those things. So it was a great conversation. Linda really gives a, a good overview of osteoporosis, exercises to avoid, uh, some balance training tips and tools. It was really fantastic, I think, because it allowed me who hasn't really been working with seniors that much lately because of the fact I do a mostly virtual training. And it, it just it brought back all of these reminders of, of the importance of remembering every day that your clients are getting older and that injury prevention be the number one thing you're working with in clients, avoiding injuries over their vanity goals, of course, over any other health goal they have is injury prevention because you know the 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 best ability is availability i think bill parcell said that a football coach and if the client is not available if they're hurt they're going to spiral out of control into this deconditioned state where they're going to not be in the gym you're not going to have access to them and uh, a plethora of health complications are going to come down the, the chain because of that. So we have to make sure that our clients are healthy and avoid injuries at all time. With no further ado, here is Linda Lippin. Linda, thanks so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast for a third time. As you know, you were the first uh, third time guest. So uh, we don't need to update everyone on uh, who you are and what you do, but really uh, let's give us a quick update on your business, anything you've started in the past few months since we've last talked or any sort of angles and pivots of online fitness or courses or whatever it is you're doing now these days. Great. Well, thanks for having me for the third time. Steve. <laughs> I love the podcast. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and, you know, provide some good value and information for your listeners. So I think since I talked to you last, I've pivoted a little bit in my focus. Um, one of our one of our last interviews was about diastasis recti mm -hmm. and teaching pre-postnatal clients. Um, I'll be 56. Um, well, we're, we're recording this on the 20th. I'm not sure when it's coming out, but September 22nd is my 56th birthday. And uh, over this past like year or so, I found that the conversations that I wish to be having out there are really not so much about 
pregnancy and childbirth and, and all of that, because that's not where I am. Mm. And it's actually not where most of my clients are. So I've been doing a lot more work with bone density, with osteoporosis, osteopenia, fall prevention, chronic pain, um, and things for really the women over 50 who are, a lot of them are just out there blindly like exercising because they feel like they need to for their bone density, but they don't always know what they should be doing. Um, a client of mine this morning who has osteoporosis and had a compression fracture before she came to me, her, she's in her seventies, her younger sister, who's about my age, um, who lives in Spain, just found out that she has osteoporosis, found out because she had been going to unmodified Pilates, doing all of the overhead, short spine, long spine, rolling like a ball, all the loaded flexion um, that can show up and now has a compression fracture. Yeah. So I've realized that, you know, so many women are kind of finding this out now. Um, We're also having the issue of rising obesity rates, which leads, which is also a risk factor for osteoporosis. (laughs) It turns out that high blood pressure, again, rising rates, risk factor for osteoporosis. And we've all been basically sitting more for the past, you know, two years, which is a risk factor for a whole host of stuff, including osteoporosis. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. quite the it's quite the wake up call when you see the numbers. I think it is. Uh, you can quote me on this too. Fifty billion dollars a year that is spent through uh, personal insurance, Medicare, and Medicaid on like post fall medical bills. So, and people will say, well, well, how is that even the case? It's not just because people are falling. Let's say there's three. I believe there's three hundred thousand people a year that fall and fracture their hip. It's not just fixing the hip fracture it is the deconditioned nature in which happens afterwards, right? So it spirals out of control. Someone falls, as you know, Linda, they fracture their hip. Well, guess what? Now they can't come see Linda for a few weeks. Then they get in a wheelchair. Then maybe they get depressed because of it. They start eating too much. They have sort of, and all of these other physical elements and issues because they can't move start to arise, which causes even more medical issues. And like I said, it's a snowball effect that spirals out of control. And I think the general population certainly doesn't know that. And young personal trainers who haven't worked with seniors can't foresee that. Exactly. And, you know, what ends up happening, too, is that then you have the cost of the um, bone building drug infusions mm. and the phosphates that people are using, um, which, you know, when those first came out, they thought that you could just take them, rebuild the bone because it just helps with, you know, speeding up bone modeling, fine. Um, And then stop taking it. But then in the, as so often happens in the human studies that we end up doing after drugs are released in the United States, (laughs) they discovered that you can't stop taking them. Because if you stop taking them, your bone actually dissolves faster than it did before you took that drug. So you have to then be on this now for your entire life, right? Um, and, and it's really, I think it's led to, you know, the, I mean, the drug market for osteoporosis medications right now is doing really well. Yeah, there was a drug, I can't think of the name, Linda, 
that evades me. I think it was in the early nineties. I had a client after the fact, she wasn't on it during that time, but she had fractured her tibia, fibia, tibia, fibula because of this drug, because it actually made the bones too hard. Uh, there was a big lawsuit right. and they made the bones so hard that they became in a sense brittle, right? Because they were, they were too hard. So they were, they were shattering into pieces. So she had sued the drug company and, and so on and so forth. So there's yeah. a lot, lot of issues surrounding the drugs and, and because that. it's not just, it turns out, Steve, it's not just about bone strength period end of discussion. We also know that bones do have a little bit of flexibility to them. Mm. I mean, especially the longer bones, which are the bones that you are, you know, the trivicular bone that you are measuring for osteoporosis, right? Your femurs, your wrist bone, you know, the forearm bones, your um, lumbar spine, because those, you know, of, of the spine bones, uh, number one, the lumbar is weight bearing a little bit more, but it's also, you know, much longer bone. And those bones need to be able to have a little bit of tensile strength, to have a little bit of flexibility to them, because you've got a lot of muscle pull, as we know, and tendon pull and coming through those bones. And they need to be able to maybe bend a little bit without cracking. I mean, it's very similar to me to, you know, I mean, I, I live in a skyscraper, right? I live in a 76 story building. Yeah. My building moves. Yeah. When it rains, my building moves. We've been in this apartment for 11 years since the building opened. And you can kind of feel where there are little cracks where just there's a moving joint in the building. Yeah. And structurally you know, it's built like that purposefully. So it can handle the wind. So it can handle. And that's that how we got through Sandy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a reason for that. And the, and we like engineering takes that kind of from our structure, right? Our yeah. structure is like that. And our structure mimics in a very, you know, real way, what we see in engineering kind of out in the world that needs to be effective. So it's not just about hardening the bone, but it's also about being flexible it's about muscle strength. We know now that muscle strength contraction around a bone actually counts as um, force into the bone and assists with bone modeling. You know, there's, there's, and there's a whole lot of ways to kind of strengthen now that don't just involve loading for the sake of loading. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had any clients try OsteoStrong? No, I I'm haven't. I'm going to go there. I'm I going there. Yeah, I have, okay. I have not. So, so feel, feel free to, yeah, uh, sort of. So, Osteo Strong is a chain. Um, and they basically are offering seated, mostly seated machine workouts where you're loading the bone in almost an isometric way mm-hmm. with extremely heavy weight for, you know, short and moving up to extended periods of time. Now, they, some folks have great results from it, some folks don't. But what they're noticing is that people are getting stronger bones, but not necessarily more functional movement. Because again, you're not going through full ranges of motion and you're not going through the kind of movements that you necessarily need to do on the daily you know, to keep your body strong and to kind of keep going. 
So it sounds like a great supplement, but just maybe not something you want to do exclusively. Right. Exactly. And it's expensive. It's expensive, I think, for a supplement. It, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it requires going someplace like you have to go. You have to be there. You have to be in those machines. So some of my clients had started that pre-COVID were, you know, bam, couldn't do it anymore. And and found other ways of maintaining and increasing their bone density. Right now, most of my Strong Bones Pilates clients are showing, and this is completely anecdotal, right? But they've been working with me for a year or two and they're showing improved bone density. Some of them are medicated, some of them aren't. Yeah, and you'll never totally know as a trainer, right? So if they're on a medication and you're working with them, you're like, what, what percentage of this is my work or the medication or a combination, Exactly. but but does it matter? No, because ultimately our goal is to help them. So as long as we're getting to that goal, it's going to be too hard to pinpoint. And we just keep going through that work and, and making our adjustments as needed. And so, so let's go into like a practical situation here, Linda. I, uh, I am a 67 year old female. I want to come work with you and you give me some sort of health history form, PARQ intake form. And on it, I write that I have either osteopenia or osteoporosis. What is your first step in that initial consultation? What are you saying to them or what are you preparing them for? All right. So my first step is always, you know, how long have you had it? How long have you known that you had it? Because, you know, we're, we're basically tested just at certain ages. And I, I mean, I have clients and women I know from, you know, business networking and other things here in the U.S. who live in states where um, they're not automatically approved for bone density scans until mm. they're over 60. And a lot of women are, get, are being, you know, seen for osteoporosis in their 40s and 50s now. Um, she comes from a family history of osteoporosis and cannot get the insurance company to approve that DEXA scan. So, you know, number one, it's, you know, how long have you known you've had it? Number two, I asked them if they've ever had any fractures, including compression fractures. Yeah. Um, And then I kind of talked to them about what they do in their daily lives and what they've done before in terms of exercise, especially if they come from a Pilates or yoga background, which, you know, many of my clients do, they show up and a lot of them are still doing full loaded flexion exercises. So I kind of lay out for them that we're not going to do easy exercises, that we're not going to, you know, be babying them or doing anything like that, but that they're going to notice that they're not doing any more rolling like a ball. They're not doing any more uh, inversions like legs overhead kind of situations that we're, that they're not going to be curling their head up for the hundred or, you know, single leg stretch or the abdominal series that, that may change the leg level that they may be used to, because once you're not curling your rib cage up, you don't have that. So as support from the top, right? So your legs might need to angle up a little bit higher to keep your abdominals together while you're doing supine exercises that they're going to be doing a little less kind of mobility work with their spines but a lot of strength and stabilization work and that I'm going to make sure that they go through, you know, what I consider to be the five really basic exercises that really, I think all humans should be doing. 
morning um, routinely, and um, but definitely people with low bone density. Um, and those for me are squats, because I think sitting and standing is is a good skill. You know, yeah. <laughs> and and as we know, I mean, I'm sure you you've had to have it, Steve, where there are those clients who are like. I don't like to do squats because it bothers my knees or it bothers this or it bothers that. And, you know, for me, I'm like, do you wish to be able to sit down and stand up? And if you're afraid of going too far in a range of motion in a squat, get a chair. And we will just sit down and stand up in different ways and in different leg positions yeah, and maybe exactly. holding um, a bag of dog food or, you know, whatever you got for your weight, but we're going to be going there. So I think squats are super important. I think a deadlift is super important because again, we're, we're bending down to pick things up Yeah, and we want to be able to do that. So squats, deadlifts, step-ups. Um, I would go for lunges and I consider a step up to actually be, you know, in the same it's a modified same version yeah. family as a lunge. Yeah. But again, we're walking up and down stairs. We're getting on, you know, escalators and elevators. If you're traveling, sometimes you need to walk those steps onto the airplane in smaller airports, right? Um, up and down off of boats sometimes if you need to. And frankly, half of the Uber SUVs in Manhattan are a giant step. <laughs> There's a big step going on there. And it works on the single leg balance as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like step ups um, and, and I work my clients in step ups pretty much consistently. Um, bridging. Again, good back work, good glute work, good ab work, and then some kind of push up. Yeah. Some kind of plank, some kind of push up, some kind of way of pushing your butt off the ground catching yourself if you fall, <laughs> pushing things away from you, you know, all of these. So these are like life skills that I feel like we should all have and continue to have. And all of those exercises are done with a stable torso, right? All mm-hmm. of those exercises are, are pretty much stable torso, hip hinge or, or arm hinge. Yeah. And they're all functional. So those are kind of my top five that like everyone's getting. If I'm now, I no longer teach in person in a Pilates studio, but if I did, and when I did, you know, that might be footwork on the reformer, that might be leg springs, that might be pumping on the chair, that might be whatever, um, you know, finding ways in the studio to do it. Now I work with people, you know, purely at home and we're using kind of the things that they have at home to do that. Now, what is interesting is that you can still do some flexion, some hyperextension, and some rotation and side bending, but the flexion, the spinal flexion needs to be unloaded. So uh, the Osteoporosis Society here in the US and the Osteoporosis Society of the UK um, both define unloaded flexion the same way we would, which is flexion that's moving kind of away from gravity, not towards it. So if you're on all fours, you can do cat cow. If you're super strong, you can be on all fours with your knees lifted in a bear hold and do some cat cow. You know, um, you can do say upstretch on the reformer or, you know, knee stretches or things when you're already on all fours, because again, you're pulling away from gravity 
there's more of a lengthening of the spine. You're not taking the weight of gravity and your body weight and then crunching them into <laughs> your thoracic spine or your lumbar spine in a way that's, you know, going to cause a fracture in the front. Yeah. You know, the, the five movements you named, well, then you add, you added a sixth in there in rotation. I'll add a seventh in mm -hmm. pulling. Uh -huh. all, of, all of those movements need to be done. They're all sort of day-to-day -day movements, but they don't always need to be done with load. And that's at any right. age, that's at any skill set. You could be 24 and in really good shape, yet you have an anatomical something going on with your body and you just can't put load in one area or another. And that's fine. And I, I think that that's a, that's a great point is that the, it's the movements we're looking for. It's not always loading those movements up in particular. And you right. also mentioned something not to jump too far down, down this rabbit hole, but we might as well, because balance has a lot to do with this. When you said, you know, we're, I work on those step-ups and we work with balance. I think people take balance for granted when they don't work with older clients. We just talked about the fall situation, but they also see balance purely as this, I guess you would call it this physiological skill set, and they don't try to teach it and increase it and make it better. They go, oh, their balance is bad. It's like, well, yeah, but we can make it better. We can focus on their visuals, what they're staring at. We can focus on engaging and strengthening certain muscles. We can mm -hmm. have them make a more mind-body connection so that they have this proprioception in the movements. And I think that that's where balance gets lost with people. They, they don't try to focus on increasing someone's balance through all of those parameters. Exactly. And what they do instead, which frankly is the lazy trainer way of dealing with balance, is they throw in an unstable object. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll work on your balance. You'll stand on a bozo. It'll be fine. Right. Yeah. We'll work on your balance. You'll sit on one of those, you know, wobbly stability cushions and that'll be great. Well, no, actually that's, that's not so fine. I remember, um, and, and this is, you know, we, we publicly did articles about this, but I used to train, um, Deborah Spungen, who was founded families of murder victims. Mm -hmm. She was Nancy Spungen's mother, um, from Sid, Sid Vicious and Nancy from Sid and Nancy. Sure. Yeah. And Deb um, ended up having a total lumbar fusion. Mm. When we were working together, she had a lot of instability in her spine. And what was happening was teachers and trainers were putting her on unstable objects to try to get her to be stable, which was causing actually more pain and more instability yeah. because she didn't have the ability to stay stable. Yeah, I mean, it was not there. Yeah. So I mean, it's like you're trying you to train multifidus that. that don't work. Yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah. can't do that. There's a place for the toys and you can work up to them. But there are things you do beforehand, just like anything in an exercise. There's modifications. There's ways to go about it. You can stand on one foot and close your eyes. You can go up on your tippy toes. I mean, there's a million things you can do to start building the musculature and the ability to balance before you start having like we said, a 67 year old woman with osteoporosis jump on a BOSU. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's most likely going to end badly for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> These are the things that scare me, you know, when I see like photos of them or I see people doing them online and I'm like, why are you doing that? Don't, yeah. don't do that to that person um, or to yourself. So, you know, what I found is, is that 
I end up now getting a lot of clients who not only already have osteoporosis or low bone density and are looking to just maintain or, or make things better, but I'm also getting a lot of women who just don't want it and who would rather learn right now, the proper ways to move. And, you know, I say to them, you know, right now, if your bone density is fine, you can feel free to play with some of that full loaded flexion. If you want to do a full sit up or a roll up or something like that, and that feels good for you, do it, but you don't have to, you can still work through the spine extension. And, you know, while we're talking about, about spine movement, you know, there's when, like when people think about rotation, people start to think about golf, right? Which is extreme rotation with a lot of load. Yeah. Right. Or they're thinking again, even like supine or seated yoga poses where we're going into rotation. And again, it's huge rotation from that lower thoracic spine, you know, in that lumbar spine, if you've got knees all the way into the chest and you're going side to side. Um, what we're looking at with osteoporosis is, you know, if you're doing lower body, it's feet on the ground, knees apart, so that as you're going over to one side, it's almost more of a nice side bend in a way, then it is a huge rotation and upper body rotation is head led, right? Mm -hmm. So, so it's the functional rotation that you need to parallel park <laughs> or to look behind you in the car and make sure, you know, everything's okay. I mean, I do realize that, you know, I'm, I'm old and, you know, started to drive I mean, I, I know how to drive a stick, which, you know, is, I think, a, a getting to be a lost art, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, maybe um, you're in the 10%. Right. right. But yeah. I don't even like when, if I rented a car, like I hate that thing that like beeps and like tells you what's behind you. I'm like, I'd rather just look because yeah. I can, and I know how to use the mirrors, but you know, that's a skill that people still need to have. So head led rotation with a stable pelvis and a lifted spine, fine small amounts of side bending, fine, right? It's when you go into those more extreme, like we're going to twist that spine, we're going to wring it out. You know, those are, it's those more extreme movements that cause the bones, you know, that cause way too much pressure into the bones in, in load. So it's really about finding that kind of middle ground, finding that lifted center, finding that lifted torso, working the upper back strength, working back through the shoulder blades to help hold the back up, um, working small extensions so that again, you're not going into huge cobras or huge swans where you're, you know, rocking all of your, again, you know, putting lots of load on those small bones and putting lots of loads on those small spinous processes at the back of your vertebrae you know, which again, you don't want, you don't want there to be, you know, micro fractures in there. Yeah. You know, and that's not fun. Yeah. That's, those are fantastic points. And it's, this is something I always say, there's a cost to everything and there's a, a good metabolic cost to working out. If I go, I just, I just sprinted two miles earlier. There was a metabolic cost to that. So I burned, who knows, 350 calories in my two miles sprint, mm -hmm. but there's a structural cost because I, you know, I'm, my heel is hitting the ground and there's reverberations right. coming up through my ankle, through my knee, through my hip and the rest of my body. Now, some of that structural cost at a certain amount, at a certain age, at a certain level of impact is a positive one, but eventually 
It's not, right? There's a, there's a line of diminishing returns when you're doing too much. Sometimes that line of diminishing returns is actual force. And sometimes it's you understanding that the body itself cannot handle this force at this age, at this time, given all of the other things. And I think another component right. to this, Linda, is that we have these people, I imagine your clients also fit this mold. I have these clients who sat at a desk for 40 years, right? Hunched over and cervical column wise, they're all screwed up. So they're already coming in with, with sort of like C6, C7 issues and compression and disc degeneration in the first place. So they're not, they're not, they're not, it's not like a personal trainer who's standing up all day long. So they're coming into this with all these issues and elements already. And I think that sort of maybe even expedites the fact that you, like you elaborated on and alluded to that we need to maybe take the load off and focus on them doing the movement without the load. Exactly. And like, I mean, my bone density is great. And, and in a way it shouldn't be because I had endometriosis. I was on, you know, some form of birth control or modified, you know, hormone production for most of my teens in my twenties. I had a total abdominal hysterectomy when I was in my thirties, um, was on, you know, yeah, did Premarin and whatever after that, but was really, you know, never at the level of estrogen that, you know, a, a normal uh, woman of that age would be at. And I have been on zero uh, hormone replacement for about the last three or four years now. But what happens is estrogen really helps mitigate inflammation in women. And so I noticed what I started to notice, uh, especially when I stopped the hormone replacement, right, was that it was becoming harder for me to recover mm. from a very intense workout. And so now I, for my own body, only do moderate work. And that's what I train people in because basically the metabolic cost for me of having that level of inflammation for say three, four days um, it just wasn't worth it anymore. Yeah. You know, it really wasn't. And functionally, you know, I know what I need to be able to do. Yeah. Well, and that's a big part of, uh, advancing in our careers as trainers, also noticing our bodies and saying, well, if I have to dial it back, chances are my client has to dial it back. I don't overhead press. I haven't overhead pressed in three years. I have yeah. some cervical columns, small issues. It's just disc degeneration. Guess what? Everybody has it eventually, right? It's just, it's just a sign of uh, aging, right? Eventually. And I decided I'm not going to overhead press anymore because it was exacerbating the issue. No big deal. I have a million other ways that I can press. Exactly. And, you know, it was interesting. I, um, I had a little bit of a health crisis last year and I ended up getting a full spine MRI, mm. which is so fascinating. <laughs> And, and I have the CD, not that I can use, not that I have anything I could like use that on, but, but my uh, neurologist, you know, sat there with me and I was, and she was like, look at that degeneration in your neck, right? Like C5, six. Yeah. And I mean, seriously, it goes in like that on this side. Now for years, Steve, I have had what I thought was a shoulder issue on my right side. But I did start to notice that if I stretch my arm back this way and I'm really tight, I get like the little electrical shocks like it, right down through there. Because it through there, yeah. Right, because yeah. of the, that nerve. Um, and then when I looked at the degeneration, I was like, 
Okay, this explains a number of things. Yeah. This and this also explains why for me being up like this is awesome, right? Because it's kind of pulling everything up and it's taking away that down pressure into through my cervical vertebrae. Sure. And that's when I really started looking at what I was doing because it turned out that all that even though I don't have osteoporosis, that doing a lot of loaded flexion inflames that disc area. Mm-hmm. And that spine area and causes me a lot of undue neck and shoulder pain. And I would prefer to not have surgery for as long as I can. Yeah. And I can maintain as long as I keep some things completely out of my program. Now I can do other things. <laughs> yeah. There's always something else to do. Thankfully, we know the body. And this is what we do for a living. But for those who don't, that's why you hire a professional because your health matters, your long-term health and wellness matters. So you hire a professional to go through this. Uh, I want to go over some balance exercises to sort of like close this out here. So obviously you work mostly in the, you know, the Pilates realm. So feel free to give Pilates based exercises, but also other exercises, just general exercises. Um, We talked a little bit initially about just simply standing on one leg, coming up onto the balls of your feet doing step-ups. You can obviously add in toys here and there when your client gets to that level. If you're there spotting them, if you think that maybe ankle eversion and inversion is something they need to work on, then maybe you do go to a BOSU for some reason or a step 360 or these other toys. Are there, is there something specific that you do or a toy that you use for balance? You know, it's very interesting that I have really started working a lot with something called the TIE-4. It's T-Y-E-4. Um, it was invented by Joan Breibart, the president of the Physical Mind Institute, like decades ago. And I've been working with Joan for on and off for 30 years now. So I know her well. And I um, started playing with it, you know, at home from for my own workouts. And it's essentially you just put it on. It's like a little back backpack kind of dusty thing. It's very lightweight uh, neoprene and then has strong bungees that attach. Uh And there's a continuous length bungee for the arms, for the upper body, and a continuous length bungee for the legs and feet. And you can adjust the length of the bungee. Now what's nice about it is it closes the kinetic chain, Hmm. right? The same way that Pilates equipment would with feet and straps and all of that, except you can do things multi-planar because now you can stand in it. And so what I really like doing is with that on my clients and, and for some of my clients have them and for other ones, I, I play around with bands and we do, you know, other ways of doing it, but you can stand up and do knee lifts and you can do knee lifts where you're assisting your movement by pulling Mm. up on the leg bungee and helping you can do knee lifts where you're pushing the bungees out away from you. So you have a little pressure throwing you off balance. You can do them where you're pressing behind you so that you're getting more hip flexor work in that kind of standing balance. Um, and I love all of that. Um, but for clients who don't, I mean, we'll just build it, you know, slowly, but surely from sometimes I'll take clients to say, we're doing squats on a chair, right. And I'll just have them sit and put one heel out in front of them and put most of the weight on the bent knee and sit and stand. And almost naturally after they do that a few times, they'll start to try to lift up that leg that's in front of them and do, you know, kind of a little mini version of a pistol squat, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. you know, which, yeah. which is good. Um, sometimes, you know, bridging, working on marching 
with bridging, working on one leg kick, you know, the classical Pilates uh, bridge with the leg kick, Um, staying up in bridge, walking the feet out, walking the feet back in, you know, walking them out to the side, walking them back in all of that kind of work. Um, Planks, lifting up one leg, lifting up one arm, all fours, bird dog, you know, all of this. And you can actually do what I give my clients with osteoporosis instead of bicycle crisscross and any kind of abdominal work is we get on all fours and they do bird jog with the elbow and knee coming together underneath them. Yeah. That's smart. All fantastic exercises and things that people can do also virtually from home. You don't, obviously the equipment you named, you need that equipment, but everything else you can do from the ground and you can start with clients who have uh, a lot of balance issues from the floor, doing those bridge kickouts, doing bird dog, doing those sorts of things, and and then work up. Linda, this has been fantastic information. Let my audience know, again, where they can find you. They can find your website, everything about you. And if they want to reach out to you personally for any questions, maybe concerning working with clients who have osteoporosis. Great. So my website is my name. It's Linda, L-Y-N-D-A-L-I-P-P-I-N.com. Um, all of my information is on there in terms of my strong bones programming. And, you know, I also do some continuing education work for Pilates teachers and trainers as well. Um, and all of that is there. Folks can find me on social media. I'm everywhere as either Linda Lippin or Linda Lippin Pilates. Uh, so whether you go to YouTube, Facebook, whatever, I have two groups on Facebook that could be of interest to folks who are listening. One is mostly for um, clients and consumers, and it's called Strong Bones Pilates. Mm -hmm. The other one um, is more specifically geared to Pilates teachers and fitness professionals, and it's called Pilates Profit Lab. Um, But within that, I have a whole lot of um, free continuing education on osteoporosis, on training clients, on, you know, and what the, and not only that, but what the science is behind it. My guest today has been Linda Lippin. Linda, thank you so much for joining the Truly Fit Podcast for the third time. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform, and feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.